Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com National Content Editor, Matt Myers. On today's show, we are going to hand it over entirely to our friend, Will Leach, as we've done for the last year or two. Will and I got together and we drafted all 30 teams in terms of who would be our favorites to win the World Series from number one to number 30. And I like this exercise because it's partially, you know, who's going to win the World Series, but it's also like a good season preview because it sort of forces us to think about all 30 teams and dig into like, oh yeah, the Rangers, the Orioles, what are they going to do this year? And of course, it's just always a joy to get to spend some time with Will. Will, first of all, hi, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm a little nervous. You said I was taking over the show. So you'll be, both you and Matt will be muted. And I've got this myself, right? Okay. Okay. Well, let me talk to you about a little third baseman named Nolan Aaron. Uh... What team's he on? <laughs> I don't know what team he's on. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to get back next week to our usual shtick because I kind of wanted to yell about a headline that said Wander Franco hit a ball 550 feet. He did not. He did it. He did not do that. Don't listen to that. But anyway, uh, that one's going to be next week. Right now, we are going to dig into our World Series favorites. So Will and I got together. Will had the very first pick in the draft. We're going to go through and quickly touch on each of our 30 teams. Matt is going to serve as our MC. But first, number one, Will, you really went against the chalk here. You went off the grid. You went with a totally shocking pick at number one to win the World Series. You chose who? Listen, I'm just saying the addition of Felix Hernandez changes your entire perspective for what you're looking at with this franchise. (laughs) (laughs) No, obviously, uh, I pick that. Be nice, Will, to both the Orioles and to Felix Hernandez. Come on. Yeah, no, I love them. Hey, listen, that was an insult to the Orioles, not to Felix Hernandez. But yes, obviously, it it is the Dodgers. Uh, I, I find it, you know, that was kind of the fun of last year was to watch them Obviously, they won the World Series, but the thing that like kind of kills me last year, that team was so good, I couldn't help but wonder, man, how many games would this team have won if we had a 162-game season? This may be our opportunity to find out. I think now I will say adding Trevor Bauer does not feel like the add Mookie bets. Wow, now how many games can they win? Sort of move. I think they're better with that move, but not like transcendent the way that they that adding Mookie bets did. But to be able to watch this team for 162 games, uh, uh, even and particularly because you know now they've got they've got a pace car. Like the Padres are clearly kind of going after them a little bit, and we'll get into them in a bit. But I think that actually adds the level of excitement for the Dodgers a little bit because it doesn't look like they're going to be up by 15 games heading into September. If they are, they will have been on an incredible pace. It feels like they're going to have to go through this year. I think the Dodgers could win a lot of games. I think they're the pretty easy number one pick. That's a really, really good point about the uh, about the Padres, Will, and I think that definitely something that couldn't come into play. I'm curious to see how high, how high they can go as well. Mike, you picked number two. I don't think there's an obvious number two pick. There's probably a pool of like three or four teams that someone might choose from. Where'd you go? I did not pick the team that I think is the second best team in baseball because I think that team is the Padres and they have a very, very good team ahead of them. I went with the Yankees at number two. I don't think the Yankees are better than the Padres, to be honest, but I do know the Yankees don't have to fight the Dodgers to win the division. And if we're trying to think about this in terms of like paths to October, uh, then I have to go with the Yankees. I I almost wonder if this is going to sound nuts for a Yankees team. Are they underrated? Like I think people keep focusing on their flaws, which is like, We don't know if they have enough depth in the rotation. We don't know if Gary Sanchez will be any good. And they sort of, you know, bypass the fact that this team's really good, like really good. The way I looked at it is maybe Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton don't stay healthy because they don't very often. And even if they don't, this is still a pretty good team. But if those guys do stay healthy, this is like a hundred win team. I know there's rotation questions, but it's deep 
and it's talented and they do somehow have the second most projected wins above replacement at Fangraphs. I am happy with the Yankees at number two. I think that's well stated. I, I, I share those concerns about the rotation uh, and the depth of the rotation, uh, but it's still a stacked team and uh, your, your strategy your, your strategy makes sense regards to uh, them versus the team that went number three to Will, which is? Yeah, this is the hard part too because that idea of like, are you picking the best team? Or are you picking the team that's most likely to get to the World Series? That comes up a lot during this draft. And ordinarily, I made the different decision with it that I did this time. This time, I just picked the best team and I went with the Padres for number three. I do think they're the second best team in baseball. And it's funny, we talk a lot about like, well, yeah, but they've got this roadblock of the Dodgers and that is true. But it is also worth noting that like, if the Padres are able to get through that, if the Padres don't win the division, even though they're the second best team in baseball, they can of course win their division. If they don't, then they've got a wild card game and who knows who they'll run into that. But if they're able to win that, then the how about the opposite idea? Now the Dodgers because there's no longer the two teams can't play each other in the, in, the, in the second round. Now you're looking at the Dodgers being like, wait, we put together this incredible regular season. We still have to win three of five from the second best team in baseball just to be able to advance. And so for me, picking the Padres here was was a clear, okay, one of these two teams I think is the clear favorite in the National League. And so I went with them second. So I went, well, I went with the Padres. Last night I went to bed kind of early, like 940, just because as we all do, I have little kids and anywhere you can get some sleep is a good thing. And as I'm drifting off, I'm thinking to myself, man, it's not even first pitch yet for a regular season game out West. And I want to stay up and watch so many Dodgers Padres games <laughs> next year. You can, you can bank sleep now, right? That's how this works. Oh, yeah, totally works. Well, I'm, I'm catching up on a deficit. Let me tell you that. <laughs> okay. Number four, Mike, that was you. What do you got? I went with the Mets and I know this is divisive because people will be like, Hey, you went with the Mets. That's funny. Aren't the Braves still on the board? And hasn't Atlanta won the last three straight NOS titles, uh, excuse me, NL East titles. And um, that's true. I went with a high variance strategy here because I I have a hard time seeing Atlanta not being good. They are going to be good. And I have a pretty easy time seeing it explode for the Mets because like it always explodes for the Mets. Like we every year we say, hey, they're going to be pretty good. And then they never are. I'm buying into the Mets a little more this year. I mean, in large part, hey, Francisco Lindor is there. That guy's pretty good. They improve their defense, right? Like they got a catcher who can finally catch. They've added some pitching depth. You'll get Cindergaard coming back uh, later in the year. I still don't know how all the pieces fit together. Like if there was any team that needed a DH, it was the Mets. But I really like the lineup. I like the talent. I like the new front office. Um, I'm going to regret this. Like anytime you pick the Mets, you regret it. But I went with I went with the if this works, it's going to work really well approach. As this podcast foremost uh, Mets expert, I still remain a little bit skeptical of the outfield defense and the third base defense. And I still think they have some of the problems that they've had the last few years where I st- it feels like one of those teams where maybe the sum is less than the total of the parts, if that makes sense. It's yes. just like, well said. <laughs> it still feels like it has that, that especially the outfield defense. Um, and um, that's where I think they could run into some problems. Will, um, you went with number five. I'm curious to your explanation. Is it, and would you have taken this team ahead of the Mets? If I had the four pick, I would have taken my team, which is the Braves. I actually like the Braves to win this. Before. I agree that the Mets have a higher ceiling, but the year they're the Mets, A. And B, you're right. The Mets look a little bit more potentially. They've got more blow-up potential than the Braves do, who not only have won the division the last couple of years, but are not like dramatically different. They brought back Ozuna, uh, and, and I think that was one of the things that they were worried about. I don't think he has a season he did last year. He almost won the triple crown last year, um, which is insane. Uh, but certainly, I feel like not only do I think the Braves are actually setting the Mets, 
I'll actually kind of bet on the brave ceiling a little bit too. I, I'd still, let's say Acuna was great last year. I still feel like he has a Bryce Harper in 2015 year in him in, 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 in maybe this year or the next. And I feel like even with a team that's as steady as the Braves, they still have a little upside, I think, to squeeze out of them. So I, the Braves are my favorite in the division. And I would have picked them above the Mets here. We've talked about this on the podcast a little bit before. I agree that their pitching, I think, actually has a really, has a real, has, has upside. But also, there's a lot of variance there. I think that's really the issue with the Braves, from my perspective. I could easily see someone picking them over the Mets. Uh, Mike, number six. You number took my six. boys. Uh, your boys. Wow. <laughs> I, I went with the Chicago White Sox because they made the single most impactful move of the winter, which was getting Len Casper over there to call their radio games. I think that's a huge move, and that's really going to be a, a game changer for them. The reason I went with the White Sox is I remember a year ago, heading into the 2020 season, I said, oh, the White Sox are going to be my breakout team. I really like what they've got put together. And then they were very good. And then think about what they did this last winter. They signed Liam Hendricks, who's maybe the best reliever in baseball. They signed Lance Lynn, who's a very good starter. You're going to get something. I don't know what, but something out of Michael Kopech, who didn't pitch last year. And Juan Moncada will hopefully bounce back from COVID and you'll get more Nick Madrigal and more Garrett Crochet. And, you know, I didn't even really like Adam Eaton that much. And I don't really like Tony La Russa that much, but there is so much talent here. Like, as I wrote in our piece, I went through like this whole list of names like Grandal and Abreu and Jimenez. And at the end, I was like, Oh, yeah. And also Tim Anderson and Luis Robert. Like, there's so much talent here. Uh, and I'm, I'm into the White Sox. I really am. Tim Anderson is a player that a couple years ago, I was kind of like, ah, I'm not sure how good he is. He feels like he might be a little overrated. And then 2019, he was fantastic. And then last year, well, I don't want to put too much stock in the shortened season. He basically continued at the exact level he had in 2019. So I've recalibrated my opinion of Tim Anderson. Uh, he is awesome. The White Sox are awesome. And they're exciting. Will, who did you take at number seven? <laughs> I'd like to note, by the way, I, one thing you've heard mention about Tim Anderson, don't you mean Tony LaRusa's new best friend, Tim Anderson? They're best friends now. They're best friends now, so everything's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, so uh, number seven, my explanation for this pick, purely logical and uh, objective and, uh, and I would say even scientific, uh, is the idea that at this point we are going with Who's the most likely to get in the tournament? Who's the most likely to win their division? Who's the mo- who's got the best path forward? And so really, it came down to probably two teams for me. Who do you think the bigger favorite is? Uh, is it the team in the NL Central or is it the team in the AL West? And uh, I took the team of the teams I had picked to win. I picked stunningly. I know objectively and scientifically, I picked the team from the NL Central and I picked the Cardinals. I, do, I know that I read one piece on MLA.com and I don't remember. Uh, about the idea that somehow signing Nolan Arenado uh, somehow did not clearly make the Cardinals the favorite in the division. Whoever that was, that person is wrong, but brilliant, very, I think. Very, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, uh, but friendly and handsome. Uh, but the point is, is that um, uh, for me, I actually do think Arenado solves, a, doesn't solve every Cardinals problem, but certainly puts them in a very good position uh, in the NL Central. The, 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 thing that you're worried about with the Cardinals is the rotation, not the pitching. I actually think the bullpen is very well set up this year. Jordan Hicks, remember, he's missed a he's a year and a half removed from Tommy John. He should be ready to go. I think he hit 102 in, in spring training the other day. Like I think the bullpen's going to be fine. It really does come back, come down to that rotation. 
not just Flaherty improving on last year. I think he should be fine. But the, but the depth of the rotation, I do think they have a lot of pieces to go in there. And also, I think they're better than any other team in the, in the division. And I think it's really only kind of one close competitor, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but to me, if you're picking the team that's most likely to win its division of the teams that are left, I went with the number seven pick, the uh, the Cardinals of St. Louis, in case you're wondering what team. Wait, wait a minute. Did you, did you just say the thing you're the most worried about with the Cardinals is their rotation? Have you seen? Have you seen the lineup? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, for the record, like no, I think you're probably referring more to the outfield. They have two guys, two guys who are projected to be above average hitters, and that's Goldschmidt and Arenado. And listen, I like Bader, and maybe Carlson breaks out, and like I'm sure someone will be better than that. But right now, it's two. <laughs> Well, well, well let, let's check back. I'm going to go talk to that guy that wrote that story earlier. And we're going to find <laughs> yeah. out if the – because, I mean, I, I, the question is if you think that, like, it, sure, if Paul DeYoung implodes, if Paul DeYoung is, 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 turns out not being the shortstop, or if it turns out that, uh, that Carlson, who, again, like, is a – like, he was betting fourth for that team in the playoffs last year. Yeah, that's a bad like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Moving on to number eight, Mike, you are up. I went with the Minnesota Twins. Um, and I, I will I will stipulate to Will's point here that the Cardinals have an easier path than the Twins do because I already picked the White Sox, obviously. I do think people are sleeping on the Twins just a little bit. I mean, you look at the – I love the defense, right? Like, you know, getting Simmons to play shortstop and moving Polanco to second. You know, Donaldson's very good and Buxton is great and Kepler's pretty good and they added some some pitching depth. Like, I think because 2020 was sort of a slog for them, we sort of forgot like what a breakout team they were in 2019 – and they brought back Nelson Cruz. I don't care if Nelson Cruz is 86 years old. Like that man is going to hit the ball. I'm he not out. He, he crushed like an absolute bomb yesterday. He did. Exactly right. He, exactly. Right. I, I'm in on Kenta Maeda basically being an ace, and I'm not out yet on Mitch Garver. Like Mitch Garver was so good in 2019. I'm willing to look past his 2020. Ryan Jeffers looked pretty good, and I, I think Matt, you and I talked about this not that long ago, like two weeks ago. One of these years, one of them. Byron Buxton's going to stay healthy for six straight months, and he's going to have like an MVP caliber season. I hope it's this year. As always, I, I say that every year. I hope it's this year. Twins, White Sox, you go either way. I agree with you. The people might be, I, as someone who's enthusiastic about the White Sox, I realize I might be underselling the Twins a little bit um, for many of the reasons that you mentioned. And Maeda, as like sort of like actually as an ace, is a really good point and maybe something worth exploring. Perhaps in an article, Mike, we can discuss oh, this. <laughs> for some particular website? <laughs> um, number nine, Will, that was you. So I have to go to my last division winner on the board. So it depends on who you think is going to win the AL West. And I think it's going to be the A's. I actually went with the with the A's here. It's it's weird. The A's are kind of in a weird spot because you know they they were they were in the division last year. I and last year was weird, and the Astros had all their weird stuff, everything going on with them. To me, looking at the A's, this still feels I actually love the Rosenthal that like I like the idea the A's really hadn't done anything, and then boom, here are four relievers. <laughs> they kind of signed in one day. I feel like they were all kind of like smart, kind of surgical uh moves for them and frankly you know i think that last i i still feel that i know there's been a little disappointment with olsen uh, in the last couple of years but I, I don't know i the ace still feel like the best team in this division to me that uh, may say more about the division than it says for them but that's enough for me to pick the A's this winter felt like it when you're at a fantasy auction and there's that one player who just waits until the end and they just like then they're like oh the, the, here's there's there's actually still still some still stuff some good players still on the board, and just you know, and and get and bids and gets gets them for like reasonable bids, and that's what it sort of felt like they did with the um with their bullpen. Um, the AL West is 
a division in baseball, and it'll be interesting to see <laughs> how, how that plays out. Speaking of the AL West, Mike at number 10. Here's the part, uh, the part of the show where I think I, I need to point out that this piece ran this morning on Thursday, but Will and I actually like got together and did this like a week or so ago. And so at the time when I picked the Houston Astros, a big part of this was because I was so in on Framber Valdez having a huge breakout blow up season. And then in his first outing of spring, he broke his left ring finger on his pitching hand and it's going to miss. I don't know. Some people are saying the entire season, which sounds wild to me for a broken finger. But anyway, a considerable amount of time. So I picked the Astros because I thought they were better than the A's because I'm pretty in on the lineup. I mean, I know they lost some big names. I know Springer's gone and Verlander's hurt. But you look at the lineup, right? Like Altuve and Correa, I don't care about they're down 2020s. I'm super in on them having a bounce back. Bregman's still a star. If Alvarez can stay healthy, the man is a monster hitter. I like Kyle Tucker and they brought back Brantley. And I feel like people were sleeping on the rotation because Granke is still really good. Lance McCullers has looked great. I like Christian Javier and Jose Urquidy. But man, now without Fran Valdez, uh, I don't want to say I regret this pick, but I wouldn't probably have gone Houston at 10 knowing what I know now. And I guess it says a lot about them that losing one guy uh, can kind of torpedo things so much. Uh, yeah, the lack of depth for the Astros is certainly a question. And there's already been murmurs of like, well, maybe they should sign Jacob Rizzi now. And this is certainly what Jacob Rizzi was hoping for, right? He was hoping for this kind of injury in spring training, and that maybe would help his his leverage. I'm not saying the Astros are going to sign him. This is based on speculation, but it certainly seems like more of a fit now than it did 36 hours ago. We're going to take a quick break on the Ballpark Dimensions podcast and then come back with a couple of teams I wish I'd picked ahead of the Astros. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello, Matt Myers joined by Will Leach, where we are ranking our 2021 World Series favorites from 1 to 30. We are through 10 teams. I just picked the Houston Astros, which gives Will the opportunity at number 11 to go with one of the most interesting teams, even if I don't know where they're actually going to play all year. Will, I think I just gave it away. Tell me about your Toronto Blue Jays. 
Well, I was going to say, is, is, is there news about the Reds that I don't uh, know? Just yet? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, listen, there's always the idea of winning the offseason, right? Like this is always the thing. And sometimes we overrate teams that do that. I guarantee you there's someone that's like, well, what A.J. Preller has done with this Upton and Kimbrell moves has totally changed the way this division looks looks moving forward. So sometimes, you know, it, it can turn around a little bit. But for me, the, the Blue Jays are not only – not only are, I think they're better – but they really do look – they have very high fun potential this year, no matter where they play, though especially where they play. Agree on the fun parts. Totally agree on the fun part. Springer is a great addition there. And you look you look down their lineup, it's like, oh, that guy's fun. Simeon, Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, Vlad Jr., Kevin Biggio, Gurriel Jr. This is, this is awesome. To me, it's more about how are they going to get through 162 games with pitching. They've got Steven Matz right now as their number four starter. Ross Strip playing at number five. You could you know interchange them if you want. But like – they don't feel like they've got the depth to get, you know, however many, whatever, whatever, whatever 162 times nine is. It feels like they're going to be short. And a big storyline of this season is how are you going to get through 162 games with pitching? And that's where I think is even more so than the Yankees. We already talked about the Yankees' lack of pitching depth. I think it's an even bigger question for the Blue Jays. Mike, what do you think? The answer is 1,458 innings for the record. But I guess we don't know if there's going to be seven inning double headers and everything. Super not the point. Have you noticed that when we talk about the Toronto pitching depth, we talk about the guys behind him, like Nate Pearson already is, is down with an injury, not an arm injury, thankfully. But everyone just sort of says, okay, but they have Hyunjin Ryu you know, at number one. And yeah, Ryu is very good. But have we forgotten how rare it is he actually stays healthy because he did it for two months last year? You know, I, I love him very much. I do not trust him to stay healthy for six months. And if he goes down at all, like this rotation is below average. Like I think this could potentially like torpedo the whole season. If there's a team that still needs Jake Odorizzi, it's probably the Phillies and it's probably the Blue Jays. And we've talked about how Dunedin, where they're going to play, could be a real hitter's haven. So with that, with that rotation and that lineup, we could it could be like Coors East this year. So uh, Mike, you would pick next at number twelve. What do you got? Did you guys know that the Tampa Bay Rays traded away Blake Snell? Had you heard about that? Did that come up at all this winter? Because I, I feel like that's all anybody can talk about with the Rays. I think the Rays are going to be good. I actually wish I'd picked them a little bit higher. When I, I was writing something else about the Rays yesterday, and I looked at the pitchers they lost in terms of Snell and Charlie Morton, and obviously those are big losses. You would rather have those guys than not have those guys. But combined in 2020, they accounted for something like 17% of the team's innings which means they had a lot of good innings without those guys. And they've gone out and added a bunch of veterans like Rich Hill and Colin McHugh and uh, Michael Waka, And they traded for like Luis Patino. And I really think Glasnow is going to pop out. But most importantly, I think Randy Rosarena is the real deal. I don't think he's what you saw in October, but I don't think you can do what he has started to do without there being something to it. I also think uh, you can just like wipe away Austin Meadows' terrible COVID oblique strain season. Like I think they're going to hit more. We talk about their pitching a lot. I just think they're going to hit. Like I wish I had picked them higher. I, I as I look at this draft, this is the team that I sort of feel, I, I agree with you. This is the team that feels a little on on the, on the low side, especially in light of the injury to Framber Valdez. But I, I mean, if I were drafting personally, I think I would take them ahead of the, the Blue Jays. And 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 Wander Franco. I didn't even say yeah. that. And Wander Franco. Like come on. Will number thirteen, the Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers were my – we talked about like almost handcuffed picks after picking the Cardinals. But um, earlier, Matt, you talked about kind of uh, the A's being the team that waited till the end to see how they'd be able to kind of get the bargain deals. The Brewers, in the wake of Jackie Bradley, actually makes a lot of sense on this too. I think Colton Wong is actually a key th- team thing for, for them because he is like – 
he when he's at second base, everything defensively just feels a little calmer uh, around there. The real question is, is Christian Yelich going to be what he was last year? Or is he going to be what he was in 2019? I'm going to go be crazy here. I'm going to say Christian Yelich is really good. And he's going to be that guy again, uh, rather than this. The Brewers, to me, have uh, they are they've been kind of sneaky. I think as the rest of the division was so quiet, but I think if they would have signed like Wong and Bradley early in the postseason, early in the offseason, we would be talking more generally positive about the Brewer, Brewers. They've been a little bit more active in Pepper, kind of what they did a couple of years ago, where they got like Yelich and Kane. Like who Kane? Kane's also back this year. Uh, those guys that short amount of time, I feel like they've been really smart late. Uh, and if there's a team that uh, doesn't win the, if it's not the Cardinals, I think it's. I'm going to I'm going to pick the Brewers. I'm going to pick the Brewers. And that's because you I must have talked to that guy that wrote that piece. Earlier. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I, I I actually before they signed Bradley that I, I submitted a piece yesterday that said there's a couple teams that you're not paying enough attention to that you need to watch more. And one of them was the Brewers. And it's not because I love their offense because I don't. They're so their pitching is so good. Right. I mean, everybody knows Hayter and Devin Williams. But then it's also like, oh, Corbin Burns is really good. Brandon Woodruff is really good, and I love Adrian Hauser's sinker. And hey, why aren't you paying attention to Freddie Peralta? And you've got all these arms, and now their defense, like with Wong and Bradley and Kane and Arcia, like the defense could be out of this world good. I wish they had, I don't know, a third baseman of any flavor at all, but I'm mad at you, Will, because I, I wish I could have gotten the Brewers in this draft. I should have. You're, that's uh, the They're going to be a fantastic run prevention team for the reasons that you you uh, mentioned, Mike, and I also feel like it's it's sort of appropriate they're right next to the Rays because I feel like the Brewers have a little bit of the Rays in them, and that it, they're kind of like the anti Mets in which that the the sum is off, often feel the, the the total seems greater than the sum of its parts. Like they always feel like they get a little bit more, and it's because I think they they have excelled at some of these like not intangible but really hard to measure things. Um, some of it being defense, some of it being defensive positioning, more specifically. All right, Mike, you were up next at number fourteen. Will, when, at what point in this draft did you stop getting like excited about the teams you got to pick, and then you, you kind of just started like taking the next names off? Because I feel like for me it was about here. Does that sound right? I went with Washington here. I'll explain why in a second. But I want to know how you how you felt about this point in the draft. Yeah, I think I was running out of gas at this point. I was at person running gas. I will talk about baseball with you forever. But certainly, like <laughs> right. the, the, the problem is when you do a draft like this, it's like yeah, World Series favorites. Here we go. Oh, okay. Oh, there's 30 teams. Yeah, like, hmm, (laughs) what universe could possibly happen where this would happen, where they win the World Series? Uh, And I I think that I still feel like the next few teams, you can imagine a universe where that would happen. Uh, Otherwise, uh, uh, once you get down there below, it's not the real. Yeah, so I went with the Nationals here, and I'm not terribly high on them. Like, I think they're pretty clearly the third best team in their division at best, depending on how you feel about the Phillies. I I feel like they're really thin, you know. Like their their core of stars is pretty good. Like Soto, my God, I could talk about Juan Soto for like an entire year. I was just saying to Matt before we came on, you know, Juan Soto did an interview on ESPN during the Mets national spring training game just now, which I thought was great. Everybody on earth should hear Juan Soto talk to them and love him. And people are just so mad because you can't satisfy anybody. They really needed to watch the first inning of that March fourth spring training game. Anyway, Juan Soto rules. Trey Turner rules the top of that rotation. Uh, while old, is still pretty good, and they added a couple of competent bats in Schwarber and Josh Bell. I just, it's thin. Like th- if this goes wrong, it's going to go like really wrong. I like the idea, by the way, that like in a spring training game where they can just be like, "Nope, innings over right now." Like people be so <laughs> right. invested in the game, but no, don't let us talk to Juan Soto. Right. 
I like that they brought Gerardo Parra back. You know, at least they can get the the, the whole baby shark vibes. He went. Wait, they did. Yes. I totally missed that. I didn't know that. <laughs> He's on an NRI. They're like, if nothing else, we can get the baby shark thing going again. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, okay, Will, you were up next with number fifteen. So I went with almost a sympathy vote for Cleveland here. Uh, the thing about Cleveland, you make, you make listen, they, they have Jose Ramirez, they have Shane Bieber. Obviously, that's a pretty good place to start right there. But Cleveland's definitely the type of team, and we've seen this the last few years. It just feels like you're going to like look up and be like, wow, they have like six starters all of a sudden. <laughs> like the thing, like Cleveland is a team that has clearly shown ability to be able to to produce young pitching and get it. Uh, if there's a team that's going to be able to trade away a Carrasco uh, and uh, from this and, and lose a Clevenger from so on, it feels like it, the Cleveland's be able to get that. Bieber was not someone that we were talking about that great of a guy uh, very long ago, and now he's the best pitcher in baseball. Tristan McKenzie could be that guy. This year, the argument for Cleveland is that I don't think they're particularly close to Minnesota or Chicago, but again, you know, both Minnesota is getting a little older. Chicago has the Everyone's like Tim Anderson and Tony Larusa are definitely best friends, right? Like that we really hope so, or that thing could get careening out of control. I think Cleveland has enough pitching to at least sneak their head over a little bit if one of those teams falter. But yeah, you, you talked about where you got off the uh, off the idea that like hmm, is it science fiction for this team? Is this team more likely to win the World Series or the Kentucky Derby or like or like or Jeopardy? Um, it feels like uh, Cleveland is about where I hit that level. You know what the problem? Their biggest problem, I think, is that the division's actually good now. Like, how many years do we just go and look at? Yeah, Cleveland's great. Oh my God, look at the rest of those teams. So I have to actually watch a Twins White Sox game in April again. And all of a sudden, the Twins are really good. The White Sox are really good. The Royals are, are going to be like surprisingly competitive. And, yeah, the Tigers won't be good, but they're going to be fun. They've got a lot of good young players coming up. I don't think Cleveland can just count on like running over the division anymore. I think that's a problem for them. I think that I think that's a, that's a great point. And there's like there's there's actually a a a not like I don't think they'd finish fifth, but I think there there's there's a world in which the Indians are like a way behind the, the leaders in this division. Um, all right, number next up, number sixteen is Mike. Let's stay in the fine state of Ohio, and I went with Cincinnati, and I think this is also kind of what you just said. Well, I can see a scenario where the Reds make some noise because the division is not that strong. There's no obvious runaway pick there. And even though the Reds were terribly disappointing last year, I still like their roster. Like I still like a lot of their players. I know they lost Trevor Bauer, um, but I really like the top of their rotation. Like I feel like Luis Castillo is the best starter no one talks enough about. I think Sonny Gray is good. I think Tyler Molly is going to have like a pretty nice breakout. Um, I just like Sean Doolittle as a person. I like the idea that Sean Doolittle and Joey Votto are in the same clubhouse. I would pay large sums of money just to like hang out on the bus with those two guys, you know, and I think the offense can't possibly be as bad as it was last year. Um, They don't have a shortstop, period. I don't have a joke. That's that's the end of that sentence, but the Reds could be okay. Yeah, it's last year felt like the year, but they're, they're, they're still they're still guys there. Um, you forgot in, in terms of great personalities. You also forgot Amir Garrett. This is like a, gr- a yeah, team, yeah. great personalities on this team. Um, so it's you could easy easy to get behind them. But it, it they, did they feel uh, uh, a little short? I'll point out that um last week on this podcast I talked about Joey Votto and you talked about him finishing his career with um, OBP above four hundred and slugging above five hundred and like how rare that is. And I was like, well, at the rate he's going, he might, he might fall below 400, 500. And someone on Twitter, um, at brave stats told yes, me, yes, I got that too. Joey <laughs> <laughs> Votto has slugged 420 over the last three seasons, bottoming out at 411 in 2019. 
If he slugs exactly 400 for his next 1,080 at-bats, he'll be at exactly 500 for his career. Basically, he said, even if he's mostly a singles machine for a season, he could slug 300 for 540 at-bats and still be at 500. So the good news, it is likely that Joey Votto will end his career above 400 OBP and above 500 slugging, which is great news for his Hall of Fame candidacy. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I believe it's Paul. Thank you, Paul. Will, you're up next, number 17. This is like a player on the team we're about to talk about where suddenly like, wow, how does the average get under 300 for his career? I thought he was betting like 330 when fighting pools went under 300 uh, a couple of years ago. It's a hard thing to look at. It's the Angels. And I feel like the Angels and Reds actually do have something in common that uh, they're a really fun team and a really uh, like a team I find myself still wanting to cheer for, but I also want Otani to work and I'm not sure that's going to happen either. <laughs> I, I was on uh, MLB Network with uh, Russo uh, a couple of days ago and we had like, you know, quiet kind of measured subtle conversation uh, <laughs> and uh, and we were talking about teams that uh this year so much was kind of riding on this year and of all those teams it was like the white Sox and the twins the one he was most excited about was the angels he was most excited about the angels and his argument was yeah they usually bring in these these pitchers these kind of later career pitchers just trying to spackle it together but quintana and cobb were like better than matt harvey which is true I will grant that, but it still just doesn't seem enough. And it's a shame. You guys have talked about this in the podcast before about how we want Otani to work, but this may actually be specifically the wrong, absolute worst team to try to make the Otani thing work because they need, like, they don't need to mess around. They need to just spackle something together in their rotation and continuing to the, to do the Otani thing feels like adding another problem to uh, an issue to a problem that they already have. I like the additions. I feel like you can't. Fowler and Iglesias are fine. Let's see what happens. Let's kind of see what goes. Mike Trout is 30 this year. Mike Trout is 30 this year. How did that happen, by the way, that Mike Trout is 30? Uh, They're running out of time. And to me, the pitching is just once again out of control. Will, in all my years of going across the river to go to MLB Network, I've been on the air with pretty much everybody who works there. With two exceptions, I've never been on with Billy Ripken and I've never been on with Chris Russo. And I'm getting the feeling that's not a coincidence or an accident. <laughs> you should have heard what he said about you off air. I got to tell you, I don't know if we should keep it. It was really, I'm just saying, I, I can't repeat it. It's against the FCC guidelines. Uh, as far as the Angels go, did any team need Trevor Bauer more? Because no. <laughs> I, I will say this for the Angels. If there was a year for them to kind of sneak through, this might be it. We're like just before, like I think we're a year early for the Mariners. And with the A's losing some key players and the Astros losing some key players, and now Framber Valdez getting hurt, the the opportunity is there. They could thread that needle, and I think this might this actually might be it. This is like going to be the best chance because the Mariners are coming fast. I think Joe Sheehan wrote about this in his recent newsletter. In a recent newsletter, that like the next great team in the AL West is the Mariners, and it's it's kind of looking that way. And I don't know if it's going to be next year or if it's going to be 2023, but it seems like it's on the horizon and Mike Trout being 30. Like, I felt like Mike Trout was on the 25 under 25 lists for like 16 years. So now that he's like 30, it's, oh, well, anyway. I like that. idea though. I do feel like you're right. This feels like a year where they maybe could thread the needle a little bit. Like, cause I, if it doesn't happen now, when's it going to happen? Never. It's never going to happen. <laughs> maybe, maybe Pujols gets that like final year of his contract mojo. And there's like a little, there's like, you know, it has like a bit of a, you know, a, a sports movie kind of vibe. Like, you know, we, we banded together and we did it. No, I don't yeah. know. Can he pitch? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mike, number 18. 
This uh, I went with the Cubs here, and this is very much again. Who can I grab out of the NL Central? And I, when I did that, I looked it up, and I kind of had completely forgotten they won the NL Central last year. Like, <laughs> did you remember that? I didn't remember that. The Cubs, I think, in some sense, like the like the Rays, didn't have a popular offseason because they traded away their best starting pitcher. But while I did very much like the return the Rays got from the Padres for Blake Snell, I cannot remember any of the return the Cubs got from the Padres for you, Darvish. I, I liked that they signed Jock Peterson. I think Javier Baez will bounce back. I think Chris. I think there's a lot of bounce back here, right? I think none of the starting pitchers throw more than like 92 miles an hour. So there's going to be a lot of action. That's that's cool. I like Wrigley Field. I like David Ross. They also got. Bukshambi, which is a nice big upgrade. But here I am talking about off-field things, and that's not a great sign for their regular season. It's weird, though. I wonder where the Cubs would have gone this draft if they'd have had the offseason I think a lot of people thought they were going to have and that they would have traded Brian, which they may still do, by the way. But like Rizzo was potentially, uh, Contreras was potentially, Baez was someone they were talking about. Like they did not actually trade any of those guys. And so those, that bounce potential is there. You've heard so many people talk about how Baez just struggled playing in front of no fans and like he's just a, this naturally kind of electric player and, and that you expect him to bounce back a little bit. It feels like there's enough in the offense here. Also, Ian Happ is awesome. Like Ian Happ is like really, really underappreciated. I feel like the offense has like big bounce back potential. I think they're better than the Reds, but I don't think they're better than the Cardinals and the Brewers because you're right. Nobody throws very hard at all. It's possible Hendricks throws harder than anybody else in the rotation, which is kind of sad. The bullpen, I'm looking at the bullpen. It's not an inspiring list of names, unless you're really betting on that Craig Kimbrell bounce back. But even, but, even a good version of you did? Did you see what he did in September? No walks and 13 strikeouts. No walks in September. I was shocked when I read that. It's still, it's still, but then you're, then you're, you go quickly to, you know, Andrew Chafin and Ryan. Is it Wick. the Parrot? What? Uh, it's, I like it's, the Wicks. It's just it's, Rowan, it's, Brad, it's, John. it's not it's not that it's not an exciting group. It's one that leaves you something to be desired. I'll, I'll put it I'll put it that way. So you want to go you want to go from that and into a team where you've got some concerns about their bullpen because I know <laughs> who will picked at number nineteen. <laughs> it is it's fine of all the teams down this low. Like some teams get down this low, and they're like, okay, we're okay to be there. This is not necessarily our year, but we're building up to something. The Phillies, once again, I repeat this every time I talk about the Phillies, the last time they played a postseason game was that Ryan Howard limping up first. But Tony La Russa was a manager in that game is how long ago that was. So the idea – that's right. He's back, isn't he? Um, so as it turns out, like when you look at the Phillies, obviously the bullpen – the bullpen even like the, the guys they have, like I get it. Kinsler, you know, Watson, Brad, like I get what they're trying to do. So let's kind of spat, throw, throw those guys back together again. But it is frustrating that the Phillies have, you know, this was always a discussion, right? The Cubs and the Astros, they did the thing that everyone's that, that, that successful. They put down the template. You start, you, you hollow it out. You build up and you spin and you, and you and you you your your rebuild all turns out perfectly. The Phillies, the young players, just didn't pan out. And now you look at the team. Now, not only do I think that they're pretty clearly the fourth place team in, in the in the in the East, I don't see how they get better moving forward. And to me, that that's the test for Dombrowski. Like I think that's why you bring him in because you have to do it now. There's no long term thing to be put together here. I just don't know what they have to work with to make this team better. You know what strikes me about the 2021 Phillies? And I know it took them like half the offseason to hire Dave Dombrowski. They're basically just rolling it back. Like it's very similar to the team that had last year. And yeah, they, they got some new relievers. Like I like Archie Bradley. Uh, I like Jose Alvarado. You know, they got rid of Jake Arrieta. Fine. But, you know, they brought back Gregorius and they brought back JT Romuto, which is fine. Those are good players. But 
It's like, let's take the team that wasn't very good last year and just do it again. And maybe it'll work this time. It's it's definitely also strange for a team, as you mentioned, Will, that did such a full teardown that they're not young. Like they're still like you look at their lineup and it's like McCutcheon, 35, Alex Baum, 25, Harper, 28, Ramuto, 30, Hoskins, 28, Gregorius, 31, Segura, 31, the King Reed, 27. So like for all the years they spent like tearing it down to build it back up, they kind of have like a pretty, I don't want to say old team, but it's certainly not a young team. Um, and that's. You know, it, it 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 matters because it sort of I feel like it kind of limits their limits their ceiling. Like a lot of these guys, it's like yeah, they might be pretty good, but like you don't really see a lot of like breakout. I guess Bomb is like the one guy you could see like real breakout potential, but beyond that, it's uh, it's hard to see. All right, number twenty, uh, Mike, that's you. Uh, I should say that Will and I did not do this draft just based on projections. Obviously, there's like strong overlap. The Yankees and Dodgers are projected projected to be good and our last place teams are not. But this was the team that I think was most interesting to me because the projections kind of like them. And that's the Boston Red Sox, who I'm getting here at 20. I'm looking at the Fangraphs projections right now. They have a 35% chance to make the playoffs, which I think is wild to a lot of people because, hey, Mookie Betts doesn't play there anymore. I don't know if you heard that. He plays for the Dodgers now. They traded away Andrew Benatendi, which I was fine with because I didn't think he was that great anyway. Jackie Bradley is now officially gone. You know, Chris Sale is going to come back. I I know there's like a ton of holes in this team. There's a very little depth. The bullpen is still terrible. I don't like the right side of the infield at all. And yet, I love Xander Bogarts. I love Rafael Devers. You know I love Franchi Cordero. Um, maybe Alex Cora makes things happen again. Like we're definitely into the part of this draft where it's like this seems unlikely, but if I can get a team with a couple of legit superstars, which they have certainly endeavors and Bogarts and you know Chris Sale will come back, that's that's not nothing, right? That's something. They're not bad. They're just it also I mean they were they were so good in 2018 and they, you know, they won four titles in the first, you know, 18 years of this this century and it just like it just feels now after all that it just kind of feels like a little the team just feels a little blah but they do have star power i think verdugo is, is, is pretty good um and it's like as he's i feel like he'll be perennially kind of like underrated because he was like the return in the bets trade so they'll never be like you know no matter how good he is it'll be like well he wasn't as good as mookie Betts, and like that's a tough standard to set red sox fans not happy we're going to take a quick break on the ballpark dimensions podcast and we'll be right back with our final 10 teams This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. We are joined by our friend Will Leach. We are two-thirds of the way through drafting 
the 2021 World Series favorites 1 through 30. I just went with the Boston Red Sox at 20, which leaves Will to choose a team from the Midwest for 21. Will, this is a divisive team, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, we've definitely reached the point in the draft where I'm like, okay, I will, this team's not making the playoffs, but I got to pick somebody, and this is the best chance to do it, and that's Kansas City. Uh, you know, this is, the Royals are kind of a team that did what you kind of, we want teams to do this offseason, right? They actually went out and tried to get some bats, some pretty good ones. I feel like Carlos Santana, is, Carlos Santana was actually kind of exactly what they needed. They needed an OB, OBP guy. I generally, like, this is a nice lineup. Sal, Sal Perez was awesome the last month last year he was like an all-world hitter you need a lot of things to go wrong the rest of the division here with with the rotation that they have but i feel like the offense is a little better than they're giving have they like just tried to roll it back to 2015 like i just saw the other day they signed gerard dyson you know wade davis is back uh greg holland is back i I can't remember what year irvin santana was on them before but he's back too like maybe they can get alex gordon to come out of retirement like what's alex rios up to (laughs) Their, their GM, uh, Dayton Moore, commented on that last week, and I do think they did actually tear it down like a decade ago. Um, he sort of had a comment. He was like, you know, like, we want to keep our fans engaged. Like, we don't believe in, you know, like, tearing it all, all the way down. And, you know, while maybe that isn't necessarily the best strategy if you want to, like, build a super team, it's like there's something based on what we've seen the last few off, off seasons that Will said is, like, kind of refreshing. It's like they're, they're, they're trying to win, and they're going to be better than – I think they'll be a little better than people expect them to be, but yes, uh, presumably short of a playoff berth. 22, Mike. This team has no shot of winning the World Series. I want to make that absolutely clear. There is there is no scenario where my team at 21 wins the World Series. And that 22, is... 22, that is. 22, thank you. Uh, the San Francisco Giants. And yet, I'm still reasonably high on them. I'm high on them because of what they're doing. I think this is going to be a scenario where... They're not going to win more games. Uh, they might win fewer games. And yet I still think it could be a year of progress because I love what their rebuilding process has done. Like they have quickly become one of these teams where they can either find these like minor league guys or under the radar guys who have like a hidden value. So like Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson and Donovan Solano, or they can, you know, make guys better. Like Kevin Gossman and Drew Smiley went there and got better. Uh, Brandon Belt got better. They are projected to have the second lowest strikeout rate in baseball this year. The the farm system is like starting to blossom. And at the end of this year, they are going to shed so much money in terms of like, you know, Crawford's contract is up and Johnny Cueto is still there somehow and and Posey and Belt and all these guys. Um, I don't think they're going to be a good team this year, as I said, but I I really do like what they're building going forward. And that's, that's progress. That's optimism. Would you pick them to win the AL West? Oh, uh, no, but I would think about it, but probably not. No, because I think that's the thing is like I would be willing to dream on them a little bit if they didn't have the Dodgers and Padres. Fair, fair. That's a, that's a very, very interesting question. <laughs> Speaking of teams in tough divisions, Will, your pick at number 23. Do you mean the team that made the NLDS last oh, year? <laughs> I, I hear this so often. I hate this argument so much. Like everybody made the NLDS. Last no, year. no. Only eighteen. Only eight teams made the division series. Not, not the playoffs. Remember, they won their. They they won. Like they made. They trounced the, the Cubs. Exactly. They made the NLDS. I didn't say, hey, the team that that broke the playoff streak. Though they did. They broke the playoff drought. This team made the NLDS. Now, the reason they made the NLDS is the Mets and the Phillies and the Nationals all completely fell on their face, and they were a little bit like this was basically a little bit under five hundred team. What, what team are we talking about? No, it's the Marlins, the right? Okay. Sorry, Thank the Marlins. <laughs> Sorry, I, the, the Marlins made the NLDS last year, which again is a shock to everyone. But I listen. This feels like a team that 
I feel like the mothers could be set up pretty well in the idea that like, they, they just have to make sure their timelines, right? Like, because they made the LDS, I hope there's not this idea. It doesn't seem to be this idea. They're like, okay, we made it. Here we go. Like that last year seemed to be an aberration of not just the playoff format, but the fact that those two playoff teams, those three teams in the division were all down. That doesn't seem like it'll be the case this year, but it does feel like you've got teams like the nationals. I don't know exactly what the nationals are going to do in the next two or three years. I don't know what the Phillies are going to do two or three years and the Mets could implode at any time for any reason so like the, the Marlins seem to be on a right course to try to like build and to, to have the right timeline last year was I figured just kind of a happy bonus for them to get there but uh, they're not getting back this year this team's going to lose 92 games this year and people are going to be like oh big step back they made the postseason the year before I like the young rotation quite a bit I, I think really down on the lineup like it's not a good lineup <laughs> Yeah, they don't really. That's the thing is you look at the. You, there's no one in the lineup now that you look at as like, okay, this guy's a, a a cornerstone hitter. Their lineup is pretty old. The best hope is maybe Isan Diaz, who it's a little too early to sort of render a verdict, but it doesn't seem like he's gonna, you know going to be a superstar. And so like he's the only regular like under 25 years old. And you know they've got some 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 hitting prospects coming up who could be um, something. But you know Jazz Chisholm did not look great in his first exposure to the majors. Um, J.J. Bleday, who was like a top five pick two years ago, maybe top 10, um, looks promising, but he's barely paid, played pro ball because of the pandemic, right? He was drafted in 2019. He played like 20 games in the minors, and we don't really know what he is right now. So that might add some time before it take, you know, for him to get to, to the majors. So they really have to wait on that lineup because uh, while the pitching's there, um, the, the position players really, really aren't. Um, Will, number, I'm sorry, Mike, number 24. Number 24, I went with the Tigers for very similar reasons to the Giants. But before I explain that, did you guys realize that Miguel Cabrera still has four more years on his contract? Four years and let's see, 132-ish million dollars? Four more years. Oh my God. Anyway, I picked the Tigers for similar reasons to the Giants. They will not do well in the standings. I think they are very likely to be the last place team in the Central. And if we're just picking World Series favorites for this season, which we are, then they belong pretty low. Uh, but they're they're that kind of non-competitive team that I think is interesting because you're starting to see the fruits of like the guys who could be on the next good Tigers team. Like I'm kind of into Jaime Candelario's uh, breakout. I think that could still happen. They've got a ton of interesting young pitching, right? Like Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning and all these guys. They're not going to be good. Uh, but they're going to be interesting. Like I think if in three years this is a playoff team, you'll probably be able to look back at 2021 and say, yeah, that's where I saw it starting. They weren't very good that year, but those guys got experience and we started to figure out who was going to be a building block and who's not. I'm with you. I just bought a Tiger's hat. I've been, wa- I've been, I've been wanting a Tiger's hat for a while just because I think the old the, the their home cap the, with the white with the old English D is one of the best caps in baseball. And I was... Are you growing a Magnum mustache to go with it as well? <laughs> I wish I could. I had the same thought. I was like, man, if only I could, I could out of a, a Halloween costume built in, but I can't even grow a mustache. Um, but uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm feeling you, Mike. I, I agree with you. They're, they're a team that I will, especially once we, you know, some of the, you know, some of those pitchers have options left, so you might not see them, you know, right away. But like, it's, it's an interesting group. I just bought a Brooklyn Tip Tops hat, and I thought that everybody should know that. <laughs> 1914 Federal League. Look it up. <laughs> Uh, speaking of interesting rebuilding teams, Will, number 25. Yeah, it is a very Seattle Mariners thing that, you know, I like, we talked earlier about how this really, the AOS could be a division in the next three or four years that the Mariners are dominating. And I think last year, 
Kyle Lewis was just a spark himself to get everybody really excited. There was a lot. Of, uh, no one was. No one was. No one was like, oh, we fell just short at a playoff spot. It was like we're not going to get one, but we're looking for good things. Clearly, things are moving forward. There's a happy time in Seattle. This is a time to feel good about this organization. And then what happened? <laughs> so okay, maybe not the positive feelings that you're all looking for. But I still feel like there's a lot to be excited about here. And it's funny, you talked that way about the Tigers. Maybe uh, this is the year where you look and say, okay, this is where maybe they got started. I think you can make an argument maybe that year last year for Seattle a little bit. I don't think they compete this year. But this is, if you're asking me to buy a team in 2026 in the AL West, I think I might buy Seattle. I'm pretty in on uh, Yusei Kikuchi, by the way, who added like, three ticks to his fastball. I was interviewed on a Seattle radio station yesterday because they wanted to talk about Kikuchi and, and Kelnick, and that was great. And I would have thought that they, the locals, would be like completely over the whole Kevin Mather situation. And no, nope, that was pretty much still all they wanted to talk about. So good job there, Chief. That's really, it's a good look for the franchise. Um, now we're down to our, our, our final five. Um, and uh, Mike, you're at uh, number. Uh, sorry, Mike, you're at number twenty-six. I chose the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are definitely one of the thirty teams in Major League Baseball. And I don't say that to be snide. It just they didn't go anywhere this winter. Like they didn't go up or down. And I I can commend them for that. They didn't blow it up and tear it down or anything. They just didn't really do much of anything. And I don't know if that's a reaction to the realities of their division. Like there wasn't anything they were going to be able to do to contend with the Dodgers and Padres, right? Um, but they just didn't do anything. And when I look at them, I'm intrigued by the rotation. I think I think Zach Allen is such an under the radar stud. Like he's, I really like him a lot. And maybe Bumgarner bounces back, and maybe Caleb Smith bounces back. But man, there it's almost like a Miami look here, where I kind of like the rotation and the offense is just well, what are we doing here? You know, it was it's a very weirdly quiet. I don't know what to make of them. Are you going up, down, sideways sort of winter for Arizona? There's not a there's not a clear identity here. I think is a, is is sort of how I see it. Just as you said, they're just kind of a little bit in the middle, and they've they've, they've done a pretty good job over the years of sort of maintaining a competitive team without kind of going too high or too low. Um, but it just it feels like there's just not the a few it, for many of those years they had some upside, and it just doesn't feel like they have that kind of kind of upside this year. Um, so they're yeah uh, number twenty seven. Will. We are into the uninspiring uh, section of this. But it's funny, you talk about the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, remember, headed into last year, everyone was pretty amped on the Diamondbacks. They'd been a little better in 2019. They'd been a lot better in 2019 than expecting them to be. And you thought, and obviously they, they, they built it by Marte. They were trying to try something and it didn't work and they bailed quickly. The, the Diamondbacks had a plan. It didn't work. I don't actually know what the Rangers are doing right now or what they would do. I know there's some talk that like, would they trade Gallo? He's 27 now. like, And he had this terrible year last year. But you know, there was a thought he could be a potential superstar a couple years ago. The Rangers, it wasn't long, very recent ago that, we, that there was an argument to be made that the Rangers were one of the most well-run teams in baseball. I don't think they've completely fallen apart organizationally. But I think it's, as much as other people have caught up and they have caught some bad breaks, I think there were certain guys they thought they were going to bust out that didn't and now you look at them and it just i don't i don't know what the rangers are supposed to do next i think i disagree with you slightly i feel like we've been in a great deal of agreement on much of this but i I sort of feel like they are bottoming out a little bit and i i like the interesting moves they've made like i think it was time to move on past elvis andrus and ruggio door in the middle infield and they did that 
Uh, it was obviously time to trade Lance Lynn, and they did that. They got David Dahl for like nothing, which I really liked. Um, they're not going to be good this year. I hear you. But I, I don't know. I sort of like their weirdo, interesting offseason. I still like Willie Calhoun. I for I, I, I'm still I'm still a believer. I'm curious. I'm hoping he can stay healthy for a season because I think he can hit, and I think that he could be uh, in, an interesting bright spot uh, on this on this team. Number twenty eight, Mike, a team that we really never talk about on this podcast. No, hey, Will, where did the Cardinals get Nolan Arenado from? What was what was the previous team he was on? I just I can't remember. Uh, oh, oh, you mean you mean the Gombers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fight in Austin Gombers. That's right. I chose Colorado at 28, and in all honesty, I'm wondering if I picked them too high. And that's, again, the NL West, right? There's no path here. Even if they were good, which they're not, there's no path past the Dodgers. I don't think, even though there's two more teams to go, there is a set of fans that feel a little more downtrodden than the Rockies fans, who I love, by the way. Rockies fans are phenomenal. And I don't even feel like I need to detail why, right? Like, Arenado's gone, and Story's going to be gone, and the young pitching is good, but in terms of teams that have no direction, like, like good Lord, you know, we're about to get to their 30 year anniversary and they're not going to win even one division title. And I know they've gone to the world series and that's fine, but I don't know what their direction is. Cause I don't think they know what the direction is. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like Brendan Rogers was supposed to be part of the next wave and he just hasn't really panned out and their pitchers are better than they appear because of course field, but it's still like, you know, what's the ceiling here? You know, 70 wins. Is that, that, is that too grim? Yeah, that might be too high. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I also think part of it too is that, listen, the next two teams that we're going to have here are, I think, uh, about they're, – they're pretty bad too. But I feel like there's a better understanding among each of them of what they have to do moving forward. We can argue that either way. But it still feels – like the weird thing about the Rockies is it still feels like they think they're maybe not going to be so bad. I think that, I think it's been part of the problem the last couple of years, right? Yeah, no, it's. I think that. I think that's. I think that's well put. Will you? Your final pick is number twenty nine. Who'd you get? Hey, can we just talk? By the way, of how exciting it was three weeks into the year with the Baltimore Orioles. It was really fun. I wrote a piece. Was saying, it? Yeah, what? Oh, come on! Even when you, they were like, they were like, I think they were like four or five games. They were. They were. They were. I in the playoff chase, and it was really hard to make the playoffs last year too. Uh, and they were in the playoff chase a little longer. Like we, we, when we did this last year, you were wondering if the Orioles were going to make it to double figures in wins, which was not an insane thought. Uh, and I still think that over 162. Yeah, yeah, they're out. I could get. I'm taking the over. Uh, but also, but listen, they they, they found like little like Santander had had his moments. Uh, uh, Cisco had his moments. I think that I actually kind of like a couple of guys in their bullpen. I feel like Andrew Scott's pretty good. They got Harvey's got something to them. But yes, it doesn't matter because if they get too good. They're going to move up. So the Orioles are still three or four years away. I would say, though, as bad as the Orioles are this year, I think there's still hope and excitement for the idea that, like, it still feels that there's a plan and there hasn't been a plan uh, for a long time. Can you believe I actually convinced Matt to let me write about John Means earlier this year? (laughs) How I thought John Means was really interesting. I also, I'm really, I don't think this is like a good thing necessarily for winning baseball games in 2021. I'm really into the idea of a starting rotation that has Felix Hernandez and Matt Harvey in it simultaneously. (laughs) Like I want to see that. (laughs) I mean, to your point about direction, Will, I, I mean, however, you know, whatever you want to say about the Astros last few years, they basically brought in... Two of the guys who built the Astros, and they're clearly going in that kind of model. They really tore it down. They've been accruing draft picks. They've been trying to get any kind of talent in any sort of trade they can get. And 
it's going to take a while and probably a little longer in that division um, when you're competing against, well, the Yankees always, the Rays who are always crafty, and the Blue Jays who are in a really good place right now as well. So that's going to delay sort of the probably the, the payoff of this rebuild. But they're going to be they're going to be a competitive team. It's just going to take a couple more years. Also, I think I saw, and forgive me if I'm wrong about this, that Chris Davis injured himself on the first swing of spring, which if that doesn't sum up the recent vintage Orioles, I'm not entirely sure what does. I guarantee Orioles fans were dot wailing into their beers uh, when they heard that information. All right, Mike, take us home with the, the final pick. Coming in at number 30 in our 2021 draft. And um, I can't believe after everything we've said about the NL Central, I ended up picking an NL Central team last your Pittsburgh Pirates. It's not going to be great. Although, Cabrian Hayes, I think, is a stud. I will watch every Cabrian Hayes plate appearance. I will go find video of every time he fields a ball because he's going to be defensively fantastic. And that's the end of that sentence. It's like their farm system for the Pirates is, is growing. Like they're on, they've hit rock bottom, I guess is the right way to say it. And they are now pushing in the right direction. But this year is going to be, whew, it's going to be a long year. At, at least though they have that guy, right? They have at least they have Brian Hayes. Like if you're a fan, you're like, okay, I can. This guy is like our future. Like I'm, I get excited about that. It reminds me of when I was like watching the Mets in, in 03 and 04 when they were terrible, but at least they had Reyes come up and then Wright come up, and it was like, okay, well, like the team's awful, but at least there's these guys who are worth watching, and they do they do have that which some of the other teams down in this like this portion of the draft don't have. But can they do it quick enough, right? So Brian Hayes just turned 24 this past January and he's got like no surface time. So, you know, he'll be there. It's not, you can't even say six years, right? Because if they're not contending, then by like the third year, they might be looking to trade him. Can they build this up quick enough to build around Cabrian Hayes or is he too soon? I guess we'll find out, but I, I don't want to be that cynical, Mike. I want to just enjoy, if I'm a Pirates <laughs> fan, I want to enjoy him, enjoy him for a little bit. What is he, he like? Did, three, he's like three years older than Vlad Jr. and two years older than Adley Rushman. But yeah, sure. He's exciting. That's all I got. It is exciting. That is our draft. Um, that is our World Series draft from 1 to 30 that Will Leach and I did. We wrote it for the site. And uh, Will, I have to say thank you for joining us to spend an hour talking about baseball with you and Matt. Puts a smile on my face, uh, and I look forward to it each time we do. So thank you again. Thank you for going through each of these somewhat ridiculous teams with us. <laughs> this is how I know the season is coming. Like This is like my new favorite tradition that we let, – let's do – I'll tell you what. Next week, let's do 2022. I stop there. Let's do 2042 and get into like the Brooklyn hover frogs or something. <laughs> Go hover frogs. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. See you next week. Mm-hmm.